There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I don't even play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor behind the steel curtain.com. With me, as always, is Coach Williams. Jeffy Jeff, a.k.a. Joy, what's happening? Feeling <laughs> real frisky with this 2 and 0 start to the bringing hell in yeah. September. Woo! How about that? <laughs> hell in September. <laughs> well, behind the scenes footage of the standard is the standard and I should uh, you know I was telling everyone kind of what happened Lance and I text a lot especially during games uh, he, out there. he is so pessimistic during a game I mean it is unbelievable the Steelers came out slow with two against the Cincinnati Bengals Roethlisberger did and he's out here we go they're going to lose yada 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 and then what happened? You know, come on, Lance. You got to, you got to, you think that in this show, you think after three years, you, I might have rubbed off a little bit on you to have a little bit of faith in the black and gold. What's going on with that? <laughs> hey, man, that's why you're joy and I'm not, man. You know, that's how it is. <laughs> that's why we make a great conversation on this show. You know, I, I, I try to keep my journalistic. <laughs> Antenna high, but then my fandom, you know, starts to mix with it, and I become, you know, I become Steeler guy. Nothing thinks that will go wrong will go wrong. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just how I'm wired and how a lot of the nation is wired. So I represent you people. So when you have a vote in November, 
please make it for Color Rush Williams. For you know, the funny you thing know. is, the funny thing is, and you said this is that you know I'm I'm the editor of a, a pretty it's a major website that, that we work for here and um, on a daily basis, a great community, and um, I'm Mr. Journalistic, Mr. Even even key, not one, not too high, not too low. And kickoff comes, it's like I revert right back to my 13 year old self sitting in the basement with my dad and all his buddies, getting them beers, they're hooping and hollering, jumping up and down. Same way, I'm by myself, or I've got my four little kids running around, and I just hope that, you know, when a big play happens, I don't Lamar Woodley kick one of them in the head. But, uh, well, fans, so let's let's talk about um, let's talk about week two. Fans, we we did this last week. I thought it was a good segment. Um, let's talk about grades for the Pittsburgh Steelers after their twenty-four to sixteen over the Bengals. If you may give a whole grade for the whole unit, if you want to break it down into positions, I'm going to leave that up to you. But go ahead. What are your grades in week two? Well, I'm going to go into the keys that I had last week for the game and give you my thoughts on if the Steelers accomplished those in the game. And then I'm going to give out a game ball and just an overall grade for the unit as a whole. So my first key for the game against the Bengals was to pressure Dalton with A-gap pressures, get him off of his spot, use A-gap blitzes and A and B-gap line games. Now, if you watch the game back, they didn't blitz much. It was a coverage game. I don't think they accomplished this part of the game plan because they only got one sack in 55 pass plays. That's a sack every 55 pass plays, which is terrible. And they only got two quarterback hits in 55 pass plays. That's a quarterback hit every 27 and a half pass plays. However, if you watch the game, they seem to collapse the pocket enough for Dalton to not get in rhythm. So I don't know if that was a combination of the coverages they were playing and the weather and just being a presence that he never seemed to find rhythm and seemed to really get into a flow of the game. So in terms of that game key, I don't think they accomplished that. The other game key was to stop the run game with seven. I think they accomplished that one with flying colors, and I would give them an A-plus on that, given the fact that they played a ton of dime and nickel. And people, if you know what dime and nickel are, that's five defensive backs and six defensive backs. So that means you don't have as many big people on the field, i.e. defensive linemen or linebackers. So the boxes that you play with, and those defensive alignments are light. And a light box is just a box with fewer numbers. So on a dime and a nickel, you're going to have fewer numbers than the base defense where you're probably going to have seven in the box. You're going to either have six or five, or you can even have less depending on how they deploy it. So I think they did a fantastic job in that regard, and the numbers bear it out. Hill and Bernard, 16 attempts, 39 yards. They only averaged 2.4 yards per carry. And the last was the last key to the game was if you want to win the game, put some respect on AJ Green's name. And they absolutely did that. He was targeted eight times in the game for only two catches. That's twenty five percent catch percentage for thirty eight yards, no touchdowns, 
one long reception of 21 yards. They did a great job. And often you'll hear during the week, yeah, the guy traveled with him, so on and so forth, and it may not be true. But when I went back and looked at the Tomlin was truthful in his statement, Cockrell did travel with A.J. Green. They played a lot of dime, a lot of nickel. They played they – those were the alignments. They played a lot of cover three, a lot of cover two. They played a ton of zones. But he did travel with A.J. Green all over the field. So in that respect, keeping A.J. Green to probably his worst game that he's played against the Steelers in at least three or four years and maybe in his entire career, the secondary, and in terms of that game key, they get an absolute A-plus. Overall, my game ball goes to Ross Cockrell, who graded out with an 84.4 in terms of football focus, which was the highest defensive player grade for the Steelers in the game. He was fantastic. If he continues to play like this, the Steelers are cooking with gas, and, and suddenly that secondary that we thought may be a weakness may turn out to be a strength. Also, kudos to Artie Burns. Made a big play in the red zone. Also, Robert Golden made big plays in the red zone. So in terms of respecting A.J. Green and keeping his passing game down and those receivers limited, they did a fantastic job. Overall, the defense has to get an A grade. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit all the nails in the head when you're talking about the field defense. And last week, I thought that they did a tremendous job. I have a couple questions for you that I'm you after I get done with the offense. So let me talk about the offense. Um, I have to do it a little bit different. I remember my keys from last week. Um, one of the keys they on run pass differential, and they did that. Uh, ben Roethlisberger did throw the ball. Uh, I, I think it's at times a little too much. I think that Haley got a little too aggressive in certain situations, especially in the second half. But ultimately, D'Angelo Williams, he had the carries to keep them balanced. And a lot of his runs, I want to say maybe eight or nine of his carries were zero gain or maybe even a loss of a yard. But they kept plugging away. They didn't abandon it, and that is important. Okay, also, one of my keys was to obviously stay on time. That was create situations. More than not, although I think the conditions really did hurt both teams on the offensive side. And then I think ultimately the Steelers' offense, if you're looking at every single uh, level, line for 90 yards. Ben Roethlisberger was hit a couple times. I think maybe four was the official uh, stat line, but he was only sacked once, and that sack didn't even take him to the ground. Um, they did open up lanes. I'll give the offline an A back in a row. Their issues, that's a really good defensive front they were going against. I thought they did a good job. Leading core, uh, it always, to me, that always comes down to the uh, it comes down to the quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger, he barely completed more than six. He didn't look comfortable. He did not look that he he didn't look the part, essentially. I don't know if he got hit, if he got rattled. Whatever the case may be, he had issues. So I guess we'll talk about quarterback first. I'll give the quarterback the rate. I just said the quarterback being Ben Roethlisberger, I thought that he should have been better uh, in the game against the Eagles. I'll give him a C. The guy continues to do it all. I give him an A. I don't think there's any doubt about it that you give him an A. Uh, Fitzgerald Toussaint came in. He had a nice reception. I feel uh, at, 
there was Daryl Richardson sighting, and he had a decent game. I give the running backs as a whole an A. Wide receivers, quarterback didn't play that well. Antonio Brown had that drop. Uh, Darius Hayward Baby continues to look like a player that once Marcus Wheaton comes back should be doing nothing but playing special teams. And Stanley Coates is averaging over 30 yards to catch. That's Martavis Bryant stuff going on right there. Okay, number three B. Overall, I'll say that the Steelers offense, I'll give them a group B minus. I think it takes the the A of the uh the A of the running backs, the A of the offensive line, the C of the quarterback, the B of the receivers, the teacher kind of figure that out. That's about a B minus. So I'm gonna give them a B minus game ball. Uh, I gave the game ball one to the I'm sorry, the offensive line. This I'm going to give it to D'Angelo Williams. He just seems to be the do-it-all back. Uh, it's pretty amazing what that guy is doing. Uh, Lance, what were your thoughts on the offense after week two? I mean, I don't have many complaints. I think the weather conditions really affected both teams, like you said. You know, the numbers that I point to when I look at offensive efficiency, particularly when trying to grade a unit, is third down and in the red zone. And the Steelers are 100% in the red zone in terms of red zone scoring percentage. And, of course, that's touchdowns. And they're fantastic on third down. Another game, I think they're about 42% on third down. They're almost close to 60% maybe on third down. Correct me if I'm wrong. So, you know, right now they're converting third downs and they're scoring touchdowns when they get in the red zone and they have those opportunities. And in a game like this, uh, that was key drive to get into the 20s late in the game. That took away about a six-minute uh, of the clock to score. That's another great drive. And we saw a drive like that in the Washington game. And those drives, listeners, you have to really focus on a drive like that early in the season that essentially wins the game and kills the game. So when you have an offense that's closing out games, has the ability to air it out, eat clock, run the ball, you know, hit you at all levels in the passing game, I mean, this offense still has the potential to get better and, and be even more elite. One thing that has to happen moving forward, Ben has to stop turning the ball over. Two games, uh, what is it, three interceptions. Uh, you know, he has to get that down. He has to get that cleaned up because – uh, you know, this offense is too good to be giving away possessions because it's a, it's an offense that may score on every possession if it takes care of the ball. But at the same time, he's had a 2-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. He has six touchdowns, three interceptions. But if you, know, if you look back at those three interceptions against Washington, Rodgers runs the wrong route, and he collected that. He quit on a ball. Adam Jones, obviously, with the Antonio Brown play with a fourth down. Um, look like it's out of his hands. I'm not putting an onus so much on officer sets just yet. Not yet. I mean, I know he's thrown three, and a lot of people were freaking out, but I think that the interceptions he's thrown have not necessarily been him forcing the issue that we saw last year. Or the questions, Lance, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but man, you're making a lot of noise. <laughs> but the uh talk about a couple questions I had on defense. There's a lot of defense. Um, you said they the Steelers ran a lot of time and that was obvious. 
obvious when you look at the snap totals. Artie Burns played well over 20 snaps, and that was because he was the fourth defensive back on the field. With the dime package in general, and more specifically, Artie Burns' play as the first-round draft pick this year, uh, did you watch him closely? And the package itself, I apparently had a great I thought his play was mixed, but that's what I would expect in his second game. Uh, but he doesn't seem too small for the moment. You know, being lined up one-on-one against LaFell on the outside and that spot in the red zone and being able to get his back to the boundary, that pedal and make that play, that's key. I mean, they went after him again in the red zone and he got the P.I., but, you know, but that, you know that's what you expect from a player with that little bit of experience and also a guy that did not get a lot of reps, you know, in training camp and didn't play in many preseasons. But I love the fact that he was able to make a play in that big spot in the red zone. And that was a key play for them to get the victory. Yeah. But the the Steelers, this is the first time this season that we saw and a package like that extensively used. Do you think that's something the Steelers will go to with regularity, or do you think that was strictly the, we're trying to control A.J. Green, we're trying to slow down that offense, we're going to use it this week? Talk about it more when we break down the Eagles game, but I I think the Steelers are morphing into a coverage team. I mean, I think they realize where they're at with their personnel, and the fact that Bud Dupree is not going to come back until maybe week nine at minimum. And there's, mm-hmm. not many, there's not many options on the roster. I mean, the only other option they could have is blitz more guys, and that will put more of a young secondary at risk. Or you play James Harrison a lot more snaps. I mean, when you're putting Cameron Haywood at defensive end to try to get pass rush, I mean, you're pretty much out of answers. There, there's not many answers there because he's not a defensive end. He's never going to succeed out there. He should be an interior defensive tackle you know, getting pressure on the quarterback in the A and D gaps, you know, playing, you know, three technique, you know, that's it. You know, he's pretty much a three technique guy. Uh, you know, sometimes I could put him in zero technique, but not often, but, you know, him and two or three technique guys, one gap penetrators, and that's what they should do. And that's what they flourish at. So there isn't any answer. I don't think, from a pressure perspective other than blitzing. That's why you saw in the first two games, you know, a ton of four-man rushes and a ton of three-man rushes. I think they're saying, look, we're going to try to push the pocket, but we're going to try to play a lot of coverage behind it and make plays. But that brings you to my next question, my next point. A lot of people are talking about this on the website, on social media, you name it. And we named off a lot of the statistics from week two. Um, only two quarterback hits, only one sack, which really wasn't a sack, mind you. Uh, Dalton scrambled and did not get back to the line of scrimmage. It goes down as a sack. I could call that a powder puff sack. Um, but still, that's the only one they've gotten in the first two weeks. Now, this is a tiny sack. Question for you, in your level of concern, how high is the lack of sacks or quarterback pressures, quarterback hits on your scale from 1 to 10, 10 being um, this is a huge issue to 1 being a, it's fine, they're, they're going to be without it because they are holding I don't see them getting a lot of sacks with 
just pressuring four players like you mentioned. Oh, this is a 10. This is absolutely a 10 because, you know, let's say they go out and, and, they, and they put it on Carson Wentz and the Eagles and they win that game. I mean, that's the Eagles. The barometer here, field we're being measured at, it is not the Eagles. No disrespect to the Eagles. No disrespect to the Redskins or the Bengals. I mean, the Steelers are trying to win a seventh Lombardi. And if you want to win a seventh Lombardi, we all know where that road goes through. Now, it may go through Pittsburgh because Jimmy G has a sprained AC joint, and he's probably not going to play against Houston, which will put the Patriots at a severe disadvantage. But it's about New England. I mean, you know, I can think that way because I'm a journalist slash fan who panics during games. But, you know, they can't think that way. But they're going to have to find a pass rush. You know, getting one hit on Tom Brady in a big game, in a big spot, you don't want that. What do you want? You want somebody hunting Tom Brady like Bob Miller was in that AFC championship. We saw what the difference was. Vaughn and that defense and where and those guys were hot, the New England Patriots, and they still almost lost on the you know at home with the Patriots being on the road. So it's a concern. They're on pace right now to get eight sacks this season. That is number ten, and I will guarantee you in those defensive meetings that is an issue and a huge concern that they're not getting effective pressure on the quarterback because you can't be a 25% red zone percentage defense for the entire year. It's great the first two weeks. They're giving up about 16 a game, but they're going to have to put some quarterbacks on the ground at some point in time. It's going to have to happen if they want to win a seven championship. Here's what I realized is you watch the game film again and you realize if they could get a pass rush with that front four that we mentioned, this defense would go from to wrecking pressure again with the front four not having to send extra bodies to try to get the quarterback to the ground, then you're gonna be able to still have the coverage in the game that's which is what is necessary. Question they were they're kind of playing out of position. In my opinion, you got to put your your guys out there that are going to make plays. And so if that means that Arthur Motes on the left side and James Harrison on the right, they have to do. Um, I, I, I'm curious to see, and we're going to talk about this here in a second, um, what you think they're going to do with the rookie Carson Wentz coming up in week three. But uh, anything to say about week two against the Bengals, for the only fourth time in the Mike Tomlin era, uh, any any last thoughts before we move on to week three? Let me mention, let me go back to the point you made about putting in the guys that are going to make plays. And, and that's one adjustment that they can make. And, in fact, they did it in the game. In their time alignment, they had Ryan Shazier and Jarvis Jones on the field. But later in the game, they took Jarvis Jones off the field and put James Harrison in there. So, you know, you might see that small tinker when they go to dime that they may take Jarvis Jones out as a rush linebacker and put in Moats or someone else, maybe Timmons. I mean, anyone else uh, to, to maybe generate 
some pass rush. They sort of got away from Hayward playing as an end, which I thought was smart. But, you know, you know it's going to be tough. It's, it's tough getting pressure with four unless one of those guys is a demon pass rusher. And as much as we like wreck it into it, that's not their forte. They're very disruptive, but, you know, you know they're not making big money and two is going to make big money. And Hayward's not making big money because he's going to go out and get you 12 interior lines. Uh, you know, they need someone to help complement that can slide the protection so they can get some consistent one-on-one matchups where they're not playing against double teams. And right now, the Steelers just don't have that guy. So, yeah, I agree with you. They don't. And um, they haven't been using the nose tackle very much. Hargrave basically only split the time. I think Hargrave had 13 snaps and McCullough had something around 11 in week two. Uh, you could just tell that it's a sub-package team, and they have to find some way to get uh, pressure on against teams in New England, even against teams like Indianapolis, even though they have some injuries right now. Um, I'm looking at other teams on their schedule that you can to see. Um, you quarterbacks that have been halfway decent at the time of football, and um, those more often than not, they're going to burn you. So, uh, that'll be something to look out for. So I put a little bow on week two. The Bengals just without any fireworks. Pac-Man Jones had some stupid stuff to say after the game, but that's Pac-Man Jones. If you don't realize that, then I don't know. That's That's Pretty, pretty much a uh, status quo for that individual. But uh, other than that, a lot of players after the game that they thought that it was good to finally get back to football, uh, not necessarily worrying about the, the personal fouls and all that stuff. Um, I thought it was a good thing. Uh, You were breaking up there a little bit, Jeff, but if I heard you correct, I thought it was a good thing that the game wasn't I'm as sorry. shitty as it was in the past. Let me know if you're having some technical issues out there, and uh, we'll we'll move on now. Um, that puts a you know a cap on week two. So now let's move to week three. The Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, where they haven't won. And this is also the first time since the 1960s that both the Steelers and Eagles have played one another. The teams are 2 0, coming off wins over the Redskins and the Bengals, and the Eagles coming off wins over the Browns and the Bears. They did play the Bears on Monday Night Football, where they're going to have a little bit of a short week. We're going to be things down for you in a couple of different ways. Lance is going to give you some defensive keys to keep an eye on for the Steelers' defense going against the Eagles' offense. I'm going to give you some offensive keys for the Steelers' offense against that Eagles' defense, which is very a whole lot more after that. So, Lance, go ahead first. The defense seems to be the theme of this show, rightfully so. Go ahead first with your keys to victory. Guys, Ron, I'm dating myself when I say Nipsey Russell. So let me give you a more contemporary rhymer. So let me give you my Johnny Cochranisms. So I'm, I'm going to make a Johnny Cochranisms this year. And it, it, this one's going to be really easy. If you want to be the king of PA, 
you have to take the run away. Very simple. Carson Wentz is playing yeah. some really good football. In fact, on Pro Football Focus, he's the number one rated quarterback according to their metrics. Take that with a grain of salt. If you take a step back and watch schematically sort of what they're doing with him, they're working him into a rhythm during games with short tasks. They're keeping the offense on schedule with the running game. Now, although they don't run it really well, they want to keep the offense on schedule, meaning on third down, they're in third and short and manageables. And when you watch his throws, a lot of his throws are very short initially, and then they gradually get to the intermediate level. They don't take a ton of deep shots. So this is a tackle-the-catch game. Because right now, we talked about it earlier in the show, the Steelers aren't really a pressure team. They have one sack in 98 pass plays. And as I said earlier, they're on pace to only get eight sacks this season. Now, we know that's going to change, but I don't think it's going to change this weekend. So I think this is a coverage game where they're going to have to sugar the looks or disguise the looks and make him read the field. But they really have to stuff the run to get him into some third and long situations where he's only completed five of 12 passes. Right now, Carson Wentz completing 61% of his balls. He has three TD passes, a nice rating of 94. But here's the key to bolster the point that I'm making. The yards per attempt for the Philadelphia Eagles right now is only at 6.6 yards per attempt, which is 24th in the National Football League. That means they are not pushing the ball downfield. So this is a game where the Steelers are going to have to tackle the catch to limit Yak and have to stop the run game. They have 468 yards in their passing game. 22% of them or 100, or 100 yards have come yards after the catch. Primary backs are Matthews and Sproles. Matthews only averaging 3.5 yards per carry. Sproles at 3.1. Again, it's not necessarily how many yards they get. It's the intense and them staying committed to it and it keeping that offense on schedule. They also use the short passing game to keep the offense on schedule. So they're going to have to tackle the catch, sugar the looks, and try to confuse the kid. I would would suspect because he's a rookie, they may be a little bit more aggressive in terms of blitzing. The wide receivers that I think they really have to keep an eye on is Jordan Matthews. He's a deep threat, averaging 14.2 yards per catch on 23 targets for a TD. The key stat there is he has four catches of 20-plus yards. Sugar the looks, the run, and make the young guy beat you. I think he's going to have some success because what they're doing with him, he's getting the ball out real quick. I mean, the throws are stress-free. You know, even if you blitz him, the way he's getting it out so quick and what they're doing, it's not gonna it's not gonna impact what he's doing anyway. So they're gonna really have to tackle the catch. I think they're gonna move the ball okay. I think he's gonna struggle some in the red zone, and I think the Steelers are gonna beat him by scoring touchdowns. It's gonna be another game where it's gonna look like the first two games where 
they hold Philadelphia under 20 points, but because the Steelers are scoring in the red zone and they're kicking field goals, that's how the Steelers are going to win this ball game. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that you look at the Steelers' defense, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in combined games, they've only given up 101 or just a tick over 100 yards rushing combined in two games. It's phenomenal numbers, and a lot of that comes down to the Steelers' offense getting a lead, but ultimately they're also doing a good job stopping the run, and that's something they did very well in 2015, and it looks like they're picking up where they left off this season. So the Steelers' defense, they have a chance to really put a, uh, to make a statement, in my opinion. You, you let Carson Wentz hang around. You let him go out and dink and dunk his way down the field and, and never really make plays on the guy. And it's doubt is going to start creeping into fans' heads. I think right now everyone's ecstatic about the defense, or at least pleasantly surprised might be a better way to put it. But ultimately, I think the defense needs to just put the foot down and and, and show the kid to play a legitimate team and not to JV teams and the Bears and the Browns in week three. So I agree with your keys, Lance. Always great job. And there is your Steelers' defensive keys. Now, going to the offensive side of the football, that's a little bit different. Uh, The Eagles' defense, I I haven't gotten a time to watch their film a lot from last week and previous weeks, but I do know that they're very aggressive. Now, people forget that this is a team that the Steelers played in the preseason. I know it's very vanilla in preseason, but I want to say there was the second preseason game uh, Landry Jones was the quarterback. The Steelers didn't have their offensive weapons on the field, but most of the defensive starters for the, the Eagles were on the field. They're very aggressive. Their secondary is very athletic. <clears throat> They're also risk takers. Um, and Landry Jones, if you recall, he was able to move the ball up and down the field on that defense. The problem was that he threw, uh, I want to say, four, four interceptions in the first half at the wrong time. So I think that this team, the approach from the Steelers, should be very similar to what it was against teams like the Redskins and not so much the Bengals. The Bengals were a different beast. I don't think that the Eagles, looking at their depth chart, especially at cornerback, I don't think that they have the personnel, so to speak, to actually do what the Bengals did to Antonio Brown. The Bengals are so good at keeping everything pinned to the inside, and they take Brown away that way. And even though he did have a couple looks where there were some drops, that one big drop, I don't think that this Eagles defense is going to be able to stop Antonio Brown the way that the Bengals did. Here's the key, though, for me, is Marcus Wheaton. Now, Marcus Wheaton hasn't played yet in the regular season. He practiced today. It's Wednesday. Uh, He did that last week, though, and they didn't play him on Sunday. I think that he is setting up to play this week. Mike Tomlin was very optimistic on Tuesday. The The fact that he was a full participant on Wednesday is a good sign. Wheaton being on the field totally changes that dynamic of the Steelers' offense when Le'Veon Bell's not in the lineup. Think back to last week, even. You have a very good secondary in the Cincinnati Bengals, a very good front four, front five, that can put pressure on the quarterback without them extending their defense. And you had Antonio Brown. And, and after that, you have inexperienced Eli Rogers, inconsistent Sammy Coates and Darius Hayward Bay. They needed that guy that's going to be able to run the routes. Now, Lance, you always point to Marcus Wheaton's 200-yard game against the Seattle Seahawks in 2015, and in my opinion, that's exactly what they need him for. They need him for not 200 yards, but they need him to be the guy if they're going to sell out and stop Antonio Brown. I don't think that's going to happen. Look for the Steelers to come out throwing, and I think they're going to target Antonio Brown a lot to possibly open up the run. Todd Haley 
unfortunately, I sometimes I think he overthinks himself a little bit. That they think, okay, we're going to come out. They think we're going to run. I think they ran the ball the first eight plays against the Bengals. And a lot of that was out of that shotgun draw formation where they just hand the ball to uh, D-Will. And D'Angelo Williams gets to kind of find his lane and, and hit the hole hard. Uh, I think that the Steelers are going to come out throwing the ball. They're going to get those quick passes. And it can be successful. It can almost be an extension of the running game. So I think the first key is to get Wheaton involved, but get Antonio Brown involved early. Get him going, and that will pay dividends as the game progresses. The second is ultimately for the offense to help protect the defense. We talked about those drives earlier. They had one against Washington. They had one against Philly. If they could put a couple of those on the board to end in touchdowns, which they've been really, really good at in the red zone at 100% this year, I think that it's only going to put pressure on Carson Wentz to have to drive the ball down the field, like you mentioned, and that can equate to turnovers for the Steelers' defense. So, help the defense out by staying on the field, get Antonio Brown involved. But ultimately, I think the goal, as always, should be to stay balanced. They want to get D'Angelo Williams carries. They want to make the defense not be able to load the box or not be able to draw back in coverage, but not really know what's coming. And that's what I love about the Steelers running the ball a lot out of the shotgun. Some people hate it. I personally love it because the one thing that I love are options. And that gives the Steelers a lot of options. Uh, ben Roethlisberger can put the ball in the belly of D'Angelo Williams, take it out. He can look for a pass downfield. It does limit your play action capabilities in terms of, you know, boots and stuff like that. But let's be honest, they don't do that with Roethlisberger much anymore. I think if they can do those three things, stay balanced, get AB uh, involved early. And then lastly, they want to help the defense out with those nice, long, time-consuming drives. I think that would go a really long way for the Steelers having success against the Eagles defense in week three. So there you have it. That was our offensive, excuse me, that was the offensive keys to victory against the Eagles defense in week three. Okay, Lance, here's the time where we talk about predictions. Currently, let let me break down the Vegas spread for you. The opening line on this game was they had the Steelers giving five and a half points. That was early Tuesday morning. The line has since changed. It is now the Steelers giving three and a half points on the road. As I say every week, Vegas normally gives two and a half or three points to the home team. You do the math. That's giving the Steelers essentially a seven-point favored line in this game. So, Lance, what's your prediction? Who do you think wins? And what's your score? They're going to suplex the Eagles like Bruno (laughs) San Martino. (laughs) <laughs> who's from Pittsburgh, used to do to catch in the WWF back in the day. Suplex. They're going to suplex the Eagles. I'm, I'm impressed your... with Wentz. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Wentz. Uh, to go out and win a, a road game as a rookie, you know, to, to not turn the ball over, uh, to really run and manage that offense, you, you know, I, I think he's doing a fantastic job. I would be remiss if I didn't say – him to do isn't like, you know, high-level NFL quarterbacking. I mean, it's not what Roethlisberger is doing or even an Andy Dalton. Or, I mean, it's not what elite guys are doing. I mean, if, if, if Ben Roethlisberger was asked to operate an offense like Wentz is, he would complete 80% of his balls. I mean, honestly. I mean, so it's not a backhand. I'm trying not to make it a backhand compliment to Wentz. Um 
you know, but the Eagles and Browns aren't very good teams. And, you know, he's just being, he's doing, he's a system guy right now. He looks good. You know, I don't want to bash the NDSU uh, guy because, you know, a friend of ours, friend of the program, <laughs> our friend Neil Kulong, NDSU guy who loves Carson Wentz. Uh, but, you know, they need to take – I think they'll be able to take advantage of them, and I think they'll put some points on that defense. I mean, the best the, the best thing that can happen for the Steelers on the road is to go up and hang up a couple of touchdowns quick and get up so 14 now to really change what they want to do on offense. You know, if, if the Steelers come out and turn the ball over, you know, they're, they're giving that rookie guy and that Philadelphia Eagle team some life and the ability to get into the game. But I suspect that – you know, this Steelers team's a little bit different. I think they go out, and I think they hammer these guys, and uh, they go 3-0 and and await the return of Le'Veon Bell. So I like the Steelers to go out and win in a dominant fashion, 28-16, 28-17, I think they cover it and then some, and this game is not really in question, and it kind of feels like the Monday night game. Yeah, I, I when I looked at this game and I looked at the matchups and um, as something the feature we do on the website before every game is the opposing website for SB Nation. We get together, the editors typically do, and they ask each other five questions. And one of those questions is always, uh, what is your prediction for the game? And I thought about it, and I could see this game being a lot like the Redskins game in week one in terms of the, the fact that the, on paper the Steelers are extremely – but I guess I should say the Eagles are overmatched when looking at the, the, the comparing the rosters from quarterback on down. They just don't have the depth that the Steelers do and the quality talent that the Steelers do. I think that when you look at this game, I think that the Eagles might hang around early or even in the first half. I think the Steelers will be in the lead. And I think in the second half, it might be a couple turnovers. It might just be the Steelers offense taking control. I think that's ultimately what they do is they take control of the game and they kind of be able to, go into cruise control in the fourth quarter. I have the Steelers winning this game 31-17. to I just go back to week two. The offense did not look good. They were not cohesive. They were not gelling together at all, and they still hung up 24 points on a very good Bengals defense. This Philadelphia Eagles defense is not even close to that. They have a few playmakers. You probably don't even know their names, and ultimately I think the Steelers should have their way with them. 31 to 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers come back to Heinz Field for a Sunday night football game against the Kansas City Chiefs 3 and 0. So, Lance, what are you in a wind tunnel? What's going on out there on the West Coast, man? What what else you got for us tonight in terms of the game come the game coming up? And do you have any final words for the uh, Steelers fans that are listening live? Well, the one thing to add is they need to get Fletcher Cox blocked. I mean, if they can get Fletcher handled, you know, they'll, they'll really do a lot of work. You know, Fletcher is a guy that is good enough to wreck their game. But I, I think they'll handle Fletcher pretty good. Um, you know, no, I mean, still, I, I'll say this, and I'm going to echo what I said last week. They're only 2-0. There, there is room for improvement. There are some issues on the defensive side of football. Uh, in terms of pressure, but I am pleasantly surprised with the way this defense is playing, where they're at right now as a unit. And it's all about scoring defense at the end of the day, and they're only giving up 16 points a game. So, 
you know, this team, I, I think right now is scratching the surface and has the potential to be a, a, a very special unit and, and be very, very good. Um, but it's still a work in progress. Uh, you know, it's only 2-0. You know, if they lose Sunday, don't get worried. It's still early in the season, and they're still working some things out. But I, I think this uh, is a really good group, and, and, and I think, you know, it, it feels like a slow burn with them, like it, like the fire is gradually building. Like every week they're putting logs on the fire, and, and that fire is starting to get bigger and burn a little hotter. And, um you know, this might be what you talked about last week, Jeff, where, you know, they rip off six in a row, you know, five in a row, which we haven't seen in quite some time. But I'm feeling really good about this football team, warts and all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every team has warts this early on. And, um, you know, I, I just think that the Steelers' warts are, are, are some <laughs> – their deficiencies are some aspects of touchdowns and two interceptions – I guarantee the Chicago Bears, you watch Jay Cutler out there, they'd kill to have that. And the Steelers, the standard is the standard. The standard is a little bit higher than uh, other teams. So um, it should be interesting. This team is fun to watch. They're frustrating at times, but that's early season football. That's football in general. But they are a fun team to watch. I hope fans are enjoying them. Lance, give Steeler Nation a little message before we head head out for the evening. Uh, And as fans get prepared for week three, this Sunday. Get your popcorn ready. Every weekend is a show with this team and look for something fantastic to happen. And in fact, book it. Look for A.B. to get his groove on on Sunday and look for the black and gold to hit that 3-0 mark. Absolutely. You don't hold A.B. down too long. I mean, if he was held down last week, I expect him to explode this week. And so if you're a fantasy owner, I highly recommend you keep Antonio Brown in your lineup. Just one bad week against the Bengals is, does not make his season. Trust me, he'll make up for it. I hope fans enjoy the game. I hope you enjoyed the show. Lance, as always, I thank you for your time. Make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com leading up to the game. We're going to have everything from distribution maps to see if where you live, you, whether you'll be able to see the game or not. We have film room studies coming up on the tight ends tomorrow, safeties tomorrow. I'm going to have one on the Sammy Coates, his game in week two. we got a lot of good stuff coming for you on the website, so make sure you check that out, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And make sure you follow us on iTunes. I forget to say that every now and then. We're on iTunes. If you find go to iTunes and search The Standard is the Standard, that is the name of our Behind the Steel Curtain podcast platform. You'll have shows like the Factor Fiction, the Steelers Hangover, our show, The Standard is the Standard, uh, NFL to the Black and Gold Recap, and even the Steel City Underground every week for you. It's the best thing that you could do is to follow us, subscribe, and rate and review our shows so that we can get some good ratings out there. So as always, we'll see you next time on the Standard is the Standard. Uh, we'll go Steelers. Nothing else to say. Bye. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. (laughs) 